0: Crush your sugar cravings with delicious all natural bossa bars for menopause. Created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the pause. And just in time for the holidays, the new double chocolate brownie bossa bar. Try them at bossabars.com and save 10% with code HOTCULL10. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics Podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today we are talking about thrifting, thrift shopping. And we have Virginia Shamley on, and she wrote a book called Big Thrift Energy. And she also does writing for People Magazine, and she also is a really talented artist, and she sells her artwork as well. But she just talks about in this book, it's a beautiful book, great pictures in it, but we're going to have a conversation about how she got into thrifting, where to look for thrifting, what areas are great for different products of thrifting, what's a good deal, maybe what you should pass up. And just really, if you love, love, love it, what you should do. So it's really, I really enjoyed this because, you know, it's just kind of a thing. I just hope you enjoyed this book. You know, if you're, you know, we're getting ready for Christmas. So if you have a few days left, you might want to hit those places, hit the, hit Goodwill. She also has different websites up that have great thrifting opportunities. So you're going to find out all kinds of neat things. Colleen,
1: how's everything going? I, I'm good. I was an, I'm an avid thrifter. I love it. You know, oh, I think, yeah. anytime you get a deal, you know, in the beginning I thrifted because that's pretty much all we could afford when I got married. Right. And I think that's true for a lot of people, but it's just really interesting to either find something unique or see something that you can turn into something yes. perfect for you and kind of your vision of what it could be. And it's just fun to go to, you know, you it go to is. The first, especially when it's a nice day out and you can yes. kind of just walk around and enjoy it. So I, I love thrifting. Fortunately, I was not here for this interview. It was at a time when I was on vacation for my 30th wedding anniversary, and I'm sorry to have missed it. But I I learned a lot just listening to it. Oh, it's
0: great. I mean, estate sales, I love to look at estate sales, too. And that's a big point. So you're, you're going to hear all about that. So we are going to welcome Virginia Shamley. Well, welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, everybody. I'm sorry that Colleen can't be here today. I am so excited to have Virginia Shamley on, and she has just written a really great book. It is Big Thrift Energy, and I am all about it. Um, I saw a little ad for it in People Magazine where you are also a writer. Yes. Which is another one of my favorite things is People Magazine. (laughs) My husband calls it our reference library because (laughs) I'm always saying well did you see that are every all kinds of different things in there but you're also an artist and I'm so excited to have you here today thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me
2: I'm excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah and if you're watching a video I have her book in the background and it's so pretty. Um, It's really nice the pages are nice and thick it's Could be a great coffee table book and also a great reference book. So I will just add that to everything. Um, I wanted to ask you, and I read in your book you share this, but how if you could just share with our listeners how you got started into thrifting?
2: Yeah. So I started thrifting when I was really young. I was raised by my grandmother. Um, she was a single mom and I was the only child. So we were really, really close and I kind of did everything with her as single, um, moms do with their children. Um, and she started a business buying and selling furniture when I was really young and she was buying containers of furniture and it was new furniture. And it was almost like, um, if you remember Tupperware parties, (laughs) except it was like armoires and desks and women would come over with their credit cards and just go to town buying this amazing furniture. And it really took off. And a few months into it, she decided to start a little store she didn't have a business license or anything yet. So she was doing it out of our home. So our living room was, you know, a, a store. I mean, there was a, a cash wrap in there. It was, it was kind of crazy, but she needed accessories to go with the furniture to sort of complete the whole look. And she didn't have accounts, you know, at any of the major companies yet. So she would go to the thrift store and she would find pillows and art and sculptures and frames and all of those little things that, you know, boutiques have to sort of um, round out her merchandise. And because her furniture, it was really nice. I mean, it was pieces that had been lost in transit, but they were lost on their way to New York and LA, you know, so these were like really high-end pieces of furniture. And so she, she really developed this knack and this niche where she would find, you know, amazing kind of trendy items, which you don't think of the thrift store old things as being trendy, but as we know, design is cyclical, right? So everything we're seeing now has been done before. So she was, she was just really great at finding like valuable things, designer things. And, um, you know, I'm sure initially I was sort of kicking and screaming going with her. But over time, I grew to really absorb it and, and love it. And then when I got my first apartment and later my first home, that's where I turned to you know outfit my own home is, is the thrift store. And I would share my finds on Instagram. And it really resonated with people because I, I think I've noticed, especially in recent years, a lot of people are getting more into thrifting. Um, but you can find great, great pieces at the thrift store. I know you mentioned you collect... Pyrex. Um, and certainly there's um there's that, there's collectibles, but there's also, you know, like amazing pieces of high design to be found at the thrift store.
0: Yeah, I, I have noticed I have a daughter that's 26, and she and her friends are really all into that. Um yeah. I don't think when I was her age, that was as big of a thing. Actually, I did when I was her age. I had her. (laughs) So (laughs) I was actually looking at like resale shops for babies, children resale. So that was the reason I looked. It really wasn't a collectible thing or, well, it could be what she's doing, though. It's to find a great price as well. Right. Right. And not everything that you're going to thrift for is going to be a great price either. Very true. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, when I read in your book some of the finds that you made and having the eye to know what is worth something and what is not, can you share a little bit about that, about how could you advise someone on maybe having the eye of finding if something is going to be something of value?
2: Yeah, so obviously I've been doing this a long time. So it's something that I think has kind of like seeped into my my mind at this point. But I do think there's kind of a formula for finding these items. And that's why I really wrote the book. Um, I, I think a lot of it is research but when i say research i don't mean boring you know reading over textbooks about antiquities or that kind of thing but doing fun things like going on websites like cherish and first dibs and sort of looking at what their merchandising teams are showing because those are the pieces that designers are buying and those are the pieces that celebrities are buying and sort of those a list clients so when you you start sort of looking at these websites you look at them enough and eventually when you go to the thrift store you're going to see something and say oh my gosh i saw that on first dibs a week ago and you'll know maybe not necessarily what it is although i think with time you'll you'll start to be familiar with the brands themselves um but, you, but you'll, you'll at least recognize maybe the shape of something or the material of something. And then there are other things you can do while you're out at the store. Um, things like looking at markings. You know, maybe it's an artist's signature. Maybe it's a, a stamp underneath a porcelain plate um, with furniture. Sometimes it's underneath drawers or inside drawers or, you know, behind a piece of furniture under a seat cushion. And I sort of lay all, that, all of that out in the book. But um, there are several different ways to sort of identify things in the moment. But I think the main thing too is just... Um, you know, if it's something that's made out of a really fine material like marble or silk or leather, chances are it's probably a, a valuable item because um, those materials are valuable.
0: Yes. Now, do you, have you found over these years that, and how you said earlier, though, things are cyclical, you know, they just come around. Are things that maybe were popular for thrifting, have some things gone out and some things come back in? Or is there something that seems to always be
2: in to thrift? That's a good question. I mean, I, I was just talking about materials. I think something that's always in for me is a material like marble. I mean, I I buy and, and sell as well um, furniture and marble is just one of those pieces that is so heavy that it stands the test of time um, because it's kind of indestructible. And we see it all the time in, you know, kitchens and bathrooms, the different types of marbles that come in and out. Um, but I think, you know, furniture that's that's made out of marble, furniture that's made out of really nice wood, like burl wood, things like that, those are kind of always in, even some of the rattan pieces. Um, but certainly in, in terms of some of the more trendy items, I mean, I think Boho was really big for a while. And maybe that's sort of gone out. Although I think with all of these things, some of it always kind of remains, right? So maybe now people aren't doing like a full room of boho, but maybe there are some, some touches of it here and there. Or like farmhouse, maybe, you know, your whole home isn't farmhouse anymore, but maybe there are a couple pieces here and there. So, I mean, I think it's all about sort of your taste. I love trends. I write about trends a lot in the book, but I'm also just a big believer in sort of, especially if it's your own own home, just making it a space that you love because you're the only one who lives in it.
0: (laughs) That's right. I think that that was such an important part that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to follow this rule that if it, if you love it, then it's probably for you. And yeah, yeah. and I do, you know, um, I also liked in your book because you talk about different, you know, if you're like a beginner or if you're kind of intermediate or if you're like this pro, you talk about that. And I love how you said, You don't want to just go fill up your shopping cart with every cute thing you see. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about
2: that uh, for beginners? Yeah, I think that's something. I think there are two sort of risks you run if you go into a thrift store or an estate sale or a flea market and you just have no concept of what you're getting into whatsoever and you really don't even know what you You want to find, you're either going to buy nothing because you're completely overwhelmed, or you're just going to buy everything. And certainly, I have been guilty of that. I mean, I've been thrifting a long time, but I really started buying and selling pieces within the past 10 years. And I think at the beginning, I was thinking, you know, well, I just need to buy things that I think will sell, but that doesn't always work because, as any small business owner knows, you kind of have to know your customer. And um, I personally sell my antiques on Cherish, um, but my my customer is me. It's someone who has the same taste as me, and and there was certainly a time where I was kind of buying things that weren't necessarily me. They were just things I thought might sell, um, and so you know, you run the risk of just putting way too much in your cart and of course one of the great things about thrifting is that it's more sustainable you know than than buying a lot of things at a big box store um but it becomes less sustainable if you're buying everything in sight because then you're going to you know throw it away or donate it back to the store find your niche and maybe it's pyrex and maybe it's gooseberry pyrex and that's that gives you something that every place you go in that's what you're looking for or maybe it's you know first edition books and so when you go to the thrift store you're just going to the book section and you're just looking for that i think that's that's better than just saying i'm going to try to find every valuable thing in this store because I've been doing this a long time. I couldn't even do that. I mean, I sort of stick to my little niches and and the things I love. There are, you know, I don't know a lot about Pyrex, for instance. So um, that would not be my my niche. But um, I, certainly there's a whole world of, of collectors I know who are obsessed <laughs> yeah. with Pyrex. And yeah, it's you know, like yeah. all over TikTok and it's all over Instagram. Oh,
0: Facebook groups, everything. And if you, you say something wrong or you put the wrong thing up, they're going to let you know. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So and I also love in your book, too, how you put different locations where different items are hot right there. If right. you are like, OK, another thing I'm into is mid-century modern. Yep. Um, so I'm sitting, well, you can't see it, in an Eames chair that I got. Oh, cool. Two of them off. Um, now, I'm a big everything but the house fan. Oh, yeah. I love that
2: one. Yeah.
0: And I do have to pay shipping, which you also talk about in your book, uh, because I don't live near uh, Ohio where their warehouse is. But you talked about like that um, Detroit was a big uh, mid-century modern place. Can you share some other areas and what may, may be the hot things in those areas?
2: Yeah. So I think, well, one of my favorite things about thrifting is sort of uh, traveling. Like I'm on a road trip right now. I'm actually in New Hampshire and I live in Florida. Um, we're, I'm staying at my boyfriend's family's house. So we drove up like the whole, you know, Eastern seaboard and sort of stopped in different cities and have been thrifting our way up the coast. Um, and it's just really interesting because you learn a lot about the history of a place. And I think before you go to any new city, if you plan on thrifting, you should sort of read up on the History, as you mentioned, Detroit is great for mid century because that's kind of when Detroit was booming, you know, in the mid century with the auto industry and things like that. Um, similarly, you know, Palm Springs, uh, you can find a lot of really great sort of glam, Hollywood Regency and Rattan, and all of that sort of, you know, Frank Sinatra and all of those, uh, um, those stars who were really popular back then. Uh, the style in Palm Springs is very similar to the style in South Florida, for instance, West Palm Beach is huge for. Or Hollywood Regency and rattan and all of that sort of Dorothy Draper style. Um You know, another thing I think is really fun when you go thrifting is to look for design schools. So I mentioned in the book, uh, RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, you know, some of the thrift stores around there, they might have some like discarded art projects from students or sculptures or, you know, blueprints or things like that. So I think it's always worth sort of digging into the history or culture of wherever you're going because Typically, um, at the thrift stores and certainly at the estate sales, you'll find a lot of that sort of resonating in the merchandise.
0: And when you brought up estate sales, I was was reading your book and I could not believe some of the, you were talking about the list that goes on the wall. And that, uh, can you explain that? Because I was, and then with it, somebody put their own list up there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, can you share wild. They are wild. Can you share uh, what a list is with our listeners?
2: Yeah. So estate sales are a whole nother world. I think I described them kind of like as Disney world. Um, you know, there are rules and regulations <laughs> that unless you're an estate sale person or Disney person, you're not totally familiar with. So some estate sales will have something called a list, which is basically a guarantee that you'll get you know, into the sale among the first, let's say 25 to 50 people. Not all sales have a list, um, but those that do will generally say on their website, we have a list, or you can call them and say, Will you have a list? Usually they'll put it out the day before, like 24 hours before. Some of them will put it out like 6 a.m. that morning and you're not allowed to leave. You have to put your name down and then stay until the doors open at nine. And some of them won't have a list at all. So the story you're referencing is a sale I went to where I, it was a a really great sale. I had seen the pictures online. I knew the things I wanted and I called and she said, I don't have a list. I've never done lists. You just have to show up. So I showed up at 6 AM. I was the first one there, but someone else had made a list (laughs) and they wrote their name on it. And I was so upset. So I, I text the woman and I said, I know it's early. I'm so, so sorry, but there's a list here. And she's like, nope, I don't have a list. So that someone else put it there. So I stood out until 9am until they opened their doors. And the person who had written the list got there at 845 and they walked right in front of me and just walked in. It was a good lesson for me. I should have just torn that list down. And I've told myself that over and over. Um,
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't think about that. Just take it down if you know. Well, I mean,
2: because it was against the rules. But um, yeah, yeah, people are estate sales are very competitive, I think, if it's a really good one. This particular one was a home on the river and it had all this great art and furniture and the prices were really good. Um, But, you know... I mean, lesson learned, <laughs> I guess. Is, um, oh,
0: my goodness. That, that was something, because I've been to a few estate sales, but they have never been you know, a big one like that, it's usually something in my neighborhood and I'm driving and I see a sign and I just drive up, you know? Yeah. And And you know know
2: what you might find. I mean, it's fun to go, even if it's not like some big lavish home, it's fun just seeing, you know, how other people live and what their home is like design wise. I think estate sales are, are really fun regardless of whether you buy anything
0: it's got to be something that I really want and need because
2: I don't want to get too cluttered up in here, you know? Well, and that's the the sort of downside of the estate sale and and flea market and thrift world is that if you do find a piece of furniture you love, you have to take it home. Yes. (laughs) You know, there's typically not someone who will deliver it to your home. And some of the thrift stores, due to liability reasons, they won't even, you know, bring it to your car. So that's That's something I I mentioned in the book a little bit, because there's definitely sort of a blood, sweat and tears component, I think, to buying vintage, um, which I guess makes you appreciate it more, right? If you lugged it home yourself, but sometimes you even have to, you know, rent a U-Haul or um, hire a delivery team to pick it up and take it to your home.
0: Right. And that can offset what you're saving. So you have to take all that. Do, Do you attend auctions as well?
2: I do. Um, I write a little bit about it in the book and I am a very competitive person. So auctions are a dangerous place for me. Um, certainly I've done several virtual auctions like local, but virtual, you know, during COVID and everything when the live auctions were shut down and, that's hard because you can get great deals. In fact, some of my best finds have been at auction. I I went to an auction. It was a virtual auction, but I had to go pick it up in person. It was actually in my neighborhood. And I got some incredible pieces. I mean, I got a a pair of like mid-century chrome floor lamps for $2.50. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. <laughs> With like terrazzo
2: stone basins. Oh my I mean, goodness. <laughs> I think it was like the photos were really poor. And so I sort of knew what they were and maybe other people couldn't make out the photos. But um, then there have been other auctions where I've thought, okay, I'm definitely going to, you know, wait till the last second. I'm going to bid on this. And then it just gets too crazy and you have to say no. Um, It's really easy to go out of your budget in an auction. It sure is. Because you're just like, I want to win it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the adrenaline gets going and you're just, you know, okay, if I just do four more dollars or I do... 20 more dollars, maybe. And then I'm like, why did I spend that money on this? (laughs) I know. And there's usually
2: like a percentage fee for the auction. And so there's all these sort of hidden costs that you don't think about.
0: Are there any items that people should really try to avoid when they're thrifting?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, items that are out of your budget, I think that's a big one. But I think uh, one of the big items that I avoid is something that's broken beyond repair or something that, I mean, you just have to be honest with yourself, right? Because it's really easy when you're at a thrift store and you see a beautiful piece of Pyrex that you've wanted for your collection, but it has a chip in it. And you're like, well, maybe I'll get it fixed. You probably won't get it fixed. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know. And I've I've had to be really, really honest with myself. Similarly with furniture, there are things that are totally doable. Um, I've bought a lot of different chairs and I've had them reupholstered. which obviously costs more money, but in the end it's, it's worth it. And I'm still paying less than a full price chair, but then there are pieces that maybe they're leather and they have a big rip in them, leather, something that's a little harder and would be much more expensive to replace. So I think, you know, broken things and things that are out of my budget are, are non-negotiables. And that's been a hard lesson to learn because when something's really inexpensive, I often tell myself, even if it's, got a chip oh I'll I'll still use it or you know I'll just display it a different way or something and so with clothing is that
0: something I know that you found some really good pieces what is your advice on clothing and thrifting
2: yeah. So that clothing was kind of my gateway drug into thrifting. I got really into fashion when I was very, very young. And so when my grandmother would take me to these stores and she was sort of looking for home items, I was I started noticing that I was seeing like these designer labels that I had read about in fashion magazines and you know, you can find like Christian Dior blazers for $5 at Goodwill. And, you know, when you're young, certainly that you don't even think you'll ever own a Christian Dior blazer. So I think uh, similarly to what I was saying about furniture, it's really important to look at materials. And that's the easiest way to spot something um, that's high-end in terms of fashion. A lot of times, if I don't have a lot of time in a thrift store, I'll kind of just scan or just like touch and feel, it's pretty easy to tell the difference between like polyester and silk, for instance. Um, And if you're looking for like really high-end designer pieces, I personally have the best luck in the blazer section or the women's suits. I think it's because women don't really wear suits anymore. You know, that was, that's kind of like a relic of the 80s and 90s. So a lot of high-end designers were doing it then, but no one wears them. So they donate them. But now, I mean, you can wear a blazer in so many different fun ways. You don't have to wear a power suit. You know, you can wear it with jeans or with over a dress or something. So that's where I personally have the best luck. Um, but I also think it's just about, you know, going as often as you can and just searching yeah,
0: <laughs> for hours. I mean, I, hear, I have never had luck at Goodwill. Now I hear people that have great luck at Goodwill. Do your certain places have certain days that you want to go? Do you have any insider information on that?
2: So I think the best way to get insider information is to ask the employees of the store. Um, and I talk in my book about finding a honeypot, you know, your like secret store. And I... I don't want to say I have for sure a honeypot, but there is a store in Jacksonville or there was that was getting um, let's say, leftover merchandise from a very high-end interior design store. And I discovered this because I was in there thrifting one day and I just noticed they still had the tags on the original tags and they were all from a store, you know? And so I, I mean, this was like a really high end store. So it was, you know, a little tabletop sculpture that was $500 and they had it marked at five. And I, I, am like picking it all up. And then some, one of the workers told me like, yeah, when they don't sell things, they donate it here. And they told me that they get the shipments on Tuesdays, but I know that it differs for all of the stores. I think Goodwill, it's like every day. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to ask, um, ask the stores. Also, a lot of thrift stores get leftovers from estate sales. I know because I've seen so many pieces at an estate sale that I don't buy. And then months later, I'll see it at the thrift store and buy it because now it's finally (laughs) affordable. (laughs) That happened to me with two huge paintings by this California artist in the 1970s. They were like, I went to an estate sale specifically to buy them because I saw the photos online, but they were $800 at the estate sale. So then months later, I saw them at the thrift store and they were $20 each.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, that is, that is amazing. And I know you're one, the, uh, the trunk that you had, can yeah, you tell the, oh my big. goodness, could you share that story about the trunk? <laughs>
2: yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So this was probably seven or eight years ago. My grandmother and I were out at an estate sale and we had really good luck at the estate sale. So we kind of felt like we don't want to press our luck and we headed home, but we were stuck in traffic and we saw a sign on the side of the road that said old. Wicker. And we're not really wicker collectibles, but we were stuck in traffic. So we're like, let's just pull in and check the store out. And we went in the store and we didn't see a whole lot. But the woman that worked there said, before you leave, check out the shed out back. She had a little, you know, smaller building outside. And we went in the building and turned a corner and I saw this incredible trunk. And I recognized it immediately. Um, and this is sort of where the research comes in that I was talking about earlier. Um because it was covered in a a very familiar logo to me, which is a Goyard, which is a French luggage brand, similar to Louis Vuitton, but actually much more rare. You can't buy Goyard online. For instance, they have much fewer stores than Louis Vuitton does. So I saw this trunk and I'm like, okay, this is probably astronomically priced. And the tag just said, old trunk, $90. (laughs) so then I'm like okay it must not be real I mean I I was having like an out-of-body experience I think (laughs) but but we were like whether it's real or fake we're taking it home yeah so um and the woman at the front she said that someone had brought it in that had found it in their attic which is so sad I mean I I wish I I could find this person because it's like a what else is in the attic attic.
0: (laughs) I was just gonna say so what how did the book come about
2: is. yeah so I well I, as you mentioned I'm a writer I work for people magazine I've been a writer professionally since I graduated college so thrifting and antiquing was always something that I did just on the side and it was really a huge passion of mine but it was never something I guess I thought about almost like being an artist you don't think like oh this could be my full-time thing until a couple of years ago when I was just getting so many questions on Instagram, not just saying, how did you find this? Or how did you know this was good? But a lot of people saying, well, that's great that you found this, but I can't find things like that. And it's like, no, you can, you just have to sort of expand where you look, right? Because there's so many, as you know, everything, but the house and all these virtual sites, there's a ton of ways to find things. Um, And you just have to kind of know what you're looking for or figure out what you're looking for. So I thought someone should write a book about this and just pitch the book. So I spent months coming up with sort of a pitch deck and I sent it out to various publishing houses. And finally I, you know, found a good fit and, um, worked on the book for about a year and a half and and I'm just so thrilled about it
0: it's a gorgeous book I was gonna say before we go can you tell people how they could find you like do you like to share if you don't like to share your Instagram that's okay but if you would like to share your Instagram or how to find you or follow you or find your artwork um, could you share that with our listeners
2: Sure. So I'm on Instagram at vshamley, V-C-A-J-M-L-E-E. I love using Instagram because that's like where I connect with all of the people who are like me and you know buy vintage. I have people constantly DMing me saying, this is what I found this week. And that's like my favorite DM to get. Um, so please follow me. And if you're interested in buying my artwork, I sell my artwork on Cherished and prints are available through anthropology as well and my vintage is also sold on cherish at virginia shamley oh. vintage.
0: Oh, that's great. That's oh yeah, her vintage. Yeah, you can find <laughs> the pieces that the expert found, so that's great. Yes. So and we'll- you
2: can buy the book obviously on Amazon or Target Barnes & Noble, Books a Million.
1: Thank you so much for uh, Thank you. for being on our show. I just I was so excited to talk to you. Well, I am sorry to have missed this episode, but it sounds like you had a great conversation. I learned a lot by listening. I hope you guys did as well. We will have the links for her website and her book in the show notes. So you can check that out. Bridget and I want to thank everybody for a wonderful holiday season. We survived the giveaway and our four winners are enjoying their products as we speak. And we are just looking forward to an amazing 2023 We'll talk more about that when we get closer. Make sure you're following us on social media so you can be the first to hear about all of the new stuff. Have a wonderful, safe holiday. Enjoy your family. And we will talk to you next time.
0: Bye.